This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Uh, I recently dropped the worst Republican cities top 10 on YouTube. If you'd like, please check that out. Uh, 10 of the worst, like I said, Republican ran cities in the U.S. Uh, basically, you know, trying to inform y'all. You know, um, again, we get these uh, narratives uh, put out there um, about certain places and certain cities, uh, certain demographics, and I wanted to challenge that. Uh, so, Again, check that out. Top 10 worst Republican cities. Uh, it may surprise you. It may not. Uh, but today, uh, we are going to uh, primarily focus on sports. I've been going for a little while to work on that. Uh, so today, we're going to uh, work on the NFL draft. Of course, that is going to be showing up around 5 o'clock, uh, maybe a little bit earlier on the West Coast, um, maybe around 5 o'clock West Coast time, something like that. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to break down the order real quick. We're also going to break down some of the prospects. We do have a rumor to talk about as well, referring one of Jimmy G. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have have heard about this uh, recently. Uh, we're going to break that down. We're also going to break down an MLB update. Of course, I got some news to go over there. We're going to be going over the standings and a couple of the scores from yesterday. Same thing with the NBA as well. We are also getting very close to the playoffs in the NBA. So we're going to be breaking that down. And as opposed to the rest of the news i do want to get to um you know some international course some domestic news uh, around the weekend time so maybe tomorrow night maybe even saturday along with the recap along with a recap of the draft as well i also plan on working on part two of my worst republican cities so take a look out uh, for that as well uh make sure if you haven't yet please subscribe to the youtube channel that would be helpful Please take a look at my videos. Let me know what you like about them in the comments. You know how it is. Uh, but let's get on into it, of course, uh, with the NFL Draft. Of course, it's going to be coming on later on today. So like, uh, let's take a quick look at the draft order. One, uh, teams 1 to 32. At number 1, we have the Jags, of course, worst record in the league. Uh, right behind them, we have the Jets, the Niners, the Falcons, then the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Lions. We have the Panthers there uh, coming up behind them. Broncos, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Chargers, Vikings, Patriots, Cardinals. We have the Raiders at 17. Washington football team. Bears, Colts, uh, rounding out the rest, we have the Titans, Steelers, Browns, Ravens, Packers, and then, of course, at the bottom here in the first round, the Bills, and, of course, Super Bowl champion, Buccaneers. That is order 1 of 32. I'm sure it'll probably switch up. I know there's a team. I, th I think there's a team that might not even be picking in this round. I don't know. I don't think so. No, I think everybody has a pick this round. Okay. Um, but let's get into some of the prospects, of course. Uh, the number one 
projected pick is going to be quarterback Trevor Lawrence coming out of Clemson. Um, he's 6'6", 220, so perfect NFL size. Uh, last year, he will pass for 3,153 yards, 24 touchdowns, and five interceptions. He would miss a game or two because of COVID. Uh, now, uh, he would have 203 rushing yards and also eight touchdowns as well. Uh, he is a national champion, uh, second team, uh, well, second, sorry, second in terms of Heisman voting. Uh, he's also, uh, you know, I think he was a MVP in one of those championship games as well. So prolific in terms of what he's accomplished. I think his numbers took a little bit of a, a you know, a step back last year in terms of his passing. But I still think he's definitely pro ready. I think the scouts are drooling definitely over his size at 6'6", 220. Um, he has a lot of things going for him. Any knocks on him, I just will say you know, like I mentioned before, he did have a little bit of a regression per se. I don't think that was because of skills or mechanics as opposed to having to miss a couple games and all that. Um, he didn't look so great in the national championship game, in my opinion, and, and in those in the playoffs in general. But again, he has the size. Uh, he's capable. That's what it seems to me. And I think, you know, whoever gets him should be, you know, quite lucky. I, I, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm really gung-ho about any of these quarterbacks, that being Mac Jones, even Wilson, who I'll talk about in just a second, um, Trey Lance. I don't know if I'm 100% comfortable with any of them being day one starters, but that's just my opinion. I'm not I'm not a person who drafts a quarterback to start day one. That's me. I, like, I would like to build them up. If I were to be a GM, I'd like to be able to have somebody – um, you know, a solid veteran bridge in order to build them up at least for a year or two. That's me. I don't I don't like to rush it. Now, running backs, it's a little bit different. Wide receivers, you can kind of get them in the mix. You can kind of work them within a rotation so they'll get some reps. Uh, quarterback, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of um, attention that they command. So if they're not ready to go, you know, it's it's gonna be an issue. We've seen it happen so many different times. It's a, it's a matter of time before we see somebody completely be a, a Ryan Leaf. I mean, we already had that with Johnny Manziel, but um, it it happens. So uh, moving on, let's talk about Zach Wilson. He's probably your projected number two pick uh, coming out of BYU, 6'3", 210, uh, 3,692 yards last year for the Cougars, uh, 33 touchdowns, just three interceptions. Uh, he was a three, well, sorry, he is a three-time ball game MVP, so he performs well in the postseason in those clutch games. Uh, he broke Steve Young's school record for uh, completion percentage with over 73.5%. So again, he's accurate. Uh, I think they might knock him for being 6'3". That's kind of what they, they like. this. They like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six for some reason. They like tall... I don't know. That that's what they like. Uh, but he also had a he also did uh, fairly well on the ground too with 255 rushing yards and also 10 touchdowns. So in my opinion, uh, people are more slanted on looking at him as a potential bust. I don't think so. I I like his accuracy. I think for a lot of these teams, it ends up being you know what team that they go to and what they'll you know eventually have to be responsible for up next we have wide receiver Devonte smith coming out of alabama six foot one 174 uh, i'm gonna tell you right now my biggest thing about him is i would need him to be almost 200 pounds for me to feel comfortable with him being a real uh piece of my rotation maybe 190 190 something max he's gonna have to put on some weight in my opinion that's just my opinion i know they're gonna tell me he can catch because he can 250 200 sorry 235 receptions throughout his career in alabama 390 uh three 
300 sorry 3965 yards and 46 touchdowns so he can touch uh, he can t- uh, catch and, and you know he can score his touchdowns he can score um but it's a lot different on the NFL level they're going to be a lot faster they're going to be hitting a lot harder can he um can he can he you know hold up to that. He is a Heisman winner, but Lyndon Clough Award winner, best wide receiver in college football last year, an All-American and a two-team, uh, two-time first-team All-Conference, All-SEC. So he's definitely a decorated wide receiver. He's definitely got it done on one of the highest levels in college football. But again, I, you know, for me, I think there's one step he's going to have to take to be even more powerful or, you know, have a even more of an NFL upside. Uh, moving on to the defensive side of things, we have defensive end Gregory Rousseau. Uh, he's coming into this 6'7", 265 pounds out of the University of Miami. Uh, first team All-ACC, second team All-American in 2019. He's also a, uh, uh, sorry, he also had 15 and a half sacks. Uh, the problem is, uh, in 2020, he, des- he decided to sit out because of COVID. Um, now, again, he can get sacks. That's been known. I think the biggest knock on him and the biggest or the biggest concern may be the fact that, you know, he did sit out last year. So the question is, what is his shape like? Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, his pro day went pretty decent. So there's no hang ups there. So he looks to be in shape. So that's going to be the biggest thing. Is he game ready? Is he mentally prepared for what's going to happen at the next level? Again, having that time off, are you mentally geared up to go that I think that's the biggest thing so he'll have to take a whole I mean his his training camp is going to be really important you know just to kind of see how he acclimates uh, that'll be very important to see uh, we also have defensive back Patrick Sertain Jr. of course his father uh, played in the NFL for a number of years um, as the same position if I'm not mistaken for the Dolphins maybe a couple other teams but I know the Dolphins stand out to me it could have just been the Dolphins uh, but he comes into this uh, 6'2 203 pounds uh, he is an SC CC Defensive Player of the Year, unanimous All-American and the first team All-Conference player. Of course, he was on that national championship Alabama team. Alabama has been known as Defensive Back University for many years now uh, because of their ability to produce uh, pro-level talent. Uh, you know, I, I you know, I, I want to say whoever gets them, they hit a home run. I mean, they, it's in his genes. Um, I've, I've definitely heard a lot about his dad. Um, I think when I first started watching football, like my first, uh, one of those first players I do remember hearing about, at least on those CBS telecasts, when I would watch the Dolphins play, I would hear him a lot. Patrick Sertain, I've heard that name. Um, if I'm not, <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, you know, I remember him being a beast in Madden too. So, I mean, if, I mean, if he's anything like his dad, he's going to be solid. You know, um, not every, not every son is as good as their dad as a player, but Hey, um, I think this this is one of those situations where he might just be as good or even better at the position than his father. Um, I don't know all his father's, you know, college stats um, in front of me, but he does have definite potential. So whoever gets him, I think, because um, I think he's a good coverage corner. I think he provides solid one support as well, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I, I see him, I'm I, again, I, I see him being just as good as not better than his father. Again, Whoever picks him up in this, in this, uh, I know that it's going to be a premium because again he's a first round talent. But again, that's that's what you're looking for, and again, that's what Alabama has been producing. Uh, Patrick Sertain Jr. or the second, that's that's the pick right here. In my opinion, I if 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 I need defense, 
I mean, I know the Raiders ain't gonna ain't gonna you know be in a position to probably draft him. I don't think he drops that far down. But I would say, I mean, if the Raiders happen to you know had it be in that spot, that's who I'd get. I mean, if I if I needed defensive back help, which is what you know some of these teams need, that's who I'm looking for. That's the A one, um, and, and and guys on his level. Uh, maybe I I think the name J C Horn uh comes out to me as well. Um, they are on that. They're of that cloth. They're of that high caliber. They talk about one man islands. I I think those two guys um in the first round. If you if, especially if you need secondary help, I mean that's that's no brainers. If you don't get them and you have and you need and you have holes on the secondary, I'm talking shit about you. I'm gonna do it. If you don't get one of those guys, I'm gonna call you out on it. Uh, but there is a rumor going around. I don't know how 100 percent. Uh, this is true, or if it's going to happen. But again, uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo in the news again. Um, the thing is, I've been hearing this from Niner fans the whole kind of the whole season about how they might want him to be traded. Uh, how they just he just hasn't been there for him. The Niners. Uh, now this is of course I'm going to say his rumor right now, um, for lack of a better word. Um, it may happen. It may not. Sources are claiming that the Patriots are currently restructuring a contract for Jimmy uh, with a possibility of clearing a way for, uh, you know, trading for him as of maybe today, for, you know, either during the draft or before the draft. Um, you know, we have a couple hours possibly before the draft. Um, something may happen. Like I said, it might happen during the course of the draft. Niners might be trying to move up. Um, they're willing to, you know, make certain trades uh, for him. That's what that's what I'm seeing as of right now. Before I even recorded, I had to look up. You know, I had to, you know definitely check in on this because I heard the one video. I I when I woke up, I had a notification that said he had been traded. I had to watch that video just to kind of hear. Oh, this is source saying this. It hasn't been officially you know um, decided yet. Then I read right after that that the Niners are saying we're not trading him unless it's of a significant value. So what I see is the Niners maybe trying to move up. Uh, possibly getting one of those guys, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, something like that. Um, another quarterback who I'm kind of iffy on. Um, so, again, it seems to me that the the Patriots have shown some interest, but I think the Niners aren't might not be as interested in what the Patriots would have to offer. Because, again, what they're saying is, the Niners are saying is, that I'm, I'm guessing probably a high-level pick, first-round pick really significantly for them to really be like uh you know let's let's make a let's make a trade um the patriots aren't you know the patriots are in a spot right now yeah i mean i mean the patriots are lower than them in the draft so i don't i'm not too sure what the the patriots would have to offer them other than i don't know i i don't i don't know in this one um but uh whoever has a higher pick looks like maybe you know jags or jets I don't see them moving down. I mean, at this spot, I mean, they could pick whoever they really want to in terms of, you know, quarterback in terms of the Niners. So I don't, they don't really need to move up too much. I mean, um, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't, I don't see the incentive, you know, for them to trade, you know, necessarily. So they already got a high enough pick. Yeah. Looking at it right now, they have a third pick, the third pick. I'm tripping. Yeah. Like, you know, re realistically, um, there's no incentive for the Niners to trade right now. They can pick whoever they want, use Jimmy as a bridge. I mean, if they want to trade him for extra assets, maybe later down the line in this draft, maybe you can do that. Uh, maybe get a, a receiver or something for him, uh, a real prominent receiver. 
um, for for your quarterback that you're bringing in, or you know, at least more receiver help because they did they did lose Kendrick Bourne uh, over the offseason. Uh, maybe you look to replace him. Uh, maybe you look to maybe upgrade your offensive line at some point. Um, maybe defensively they make some changes because you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, they're deep at defensive line, uh, especially at edge. Uh, maybe linebacker, maybe. I mean, but again, I mean, um, I could see them acquiring more assets for Jimmy. Uh, but I don't, I don't see the, I mean, even if, you know, they are able, I mean, cause they had a, they're at a good spot where they can get, you know, a top QB, even if that being the case, I don't see them making a move, uh, for Jimmy either. Just, just because I, I, I feel like they might want to see what they can do. I mean, but they are open to it because, uh, like I said, well, at least according to uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Jimmy G over the past few years, uh, they got him a few years ago, three years to be exact, two of those three in, uh, years he's been here in California, he's been injured. So uh, there is that, but I, I I think there's a, I mean, he, he is still solid. He wins games for them. So I don't think they're, they're necessarily like, mm, they're rushing to do it. Um, I think if they end up, let's say for instance, you know, that, you know, they don't, they, they don't give up their spot where they're at right now. And they do make a trade for, you know, Jimmy for some extra, extra assets. Um, I think, I think that's the, oh man, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, cause they could definitely use Jimmy. I mean, as, as a, as a placeholder, um, until they figure out what they want to do, or maybe they don't trade Jimmy. They keep Jimmy. Um, and they use that third round pick to, to pick up somebody solid there too. I mean, um. You know, there's there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of ways that the Niners could do this, but you know, it has not. I mean, it has not been determined yet. Jimmy G, I mean, it's you could say he's on the market. There's interest from the Niners, but there's nothing solid yet. So until something happens, I'll let y'all know. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna be breaking down MLB. Uh, I'm going to be talking about some of the scores from yesterday. We do have some score. We do have some news to go over. Some achievements happened in the earlier part of this week. So we're going to talk about that. And then also we're going to be breaking down the standings as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. Let's get into some baseball for a little bit, and uh, we're gonna start off with some news. And um, for one night earlier this week, Monday night to be exact, it's all seemed to come together for Shihei Otani. Two-way All-Star Shihei Otani made MLB history Monday night, being the first player in a hundred years to start a game on the mound, pitching, and leading the league, actually both leagues, the American and the National League, in home runs. He's currently tied. Uh, it, with the league for seven. He was struggling in the beginning of the game and gave up four runs in the first inning, but will strike out nine of ten batters uh, over the next five innings in the W. And it was his first win since, sorry, March 25th, sorry, March 28th of 2018. At the plate, he would go two for three with two RBIs and three runs scored. Otani currently is tied 
like I said, for the MLB league with seven home runs. Babe Ruth was the last player to lead the league of home runs when he faced the Tigers on the mound in 1921. Of course, you know, it's Babe Ruth, so he had like 19, 20 home runs at this point. That's just the way it go. The last time an AL pitcher had two hits and drove in three runs was in 1977. The last pitcher in either league uh, to have two hits, sorry, to have three hits and score three runs and also have nine strikeouts uh, was Luis Tian in 1961. So again, it all seems to be coming together for Shea. I've mentioned this player a couple times. Um, if you guys don't, I mean, if you're not all into baseball, you don't know a whole lot about baseball, uh, Shea, uh, Shea's claim to fame, um, I believe he's a Korean-born player. Um, his thing about his thing coming into the league was that he was a two-way player. He was supposed to be this great pitcher, and he's supposed to be a great hitter. Um, but for the most part, I believe he's been playing for a while now. I want to say since 2016, something like that. Um, but he's he's had flashes of being a decent hitter. He's been an okay pitcher. Again, like I said, he hasn't had a, a win since 2018. But at the same time, he wasn't necessarily pitching a lot. He was primarily a designated hitter for a while. Um, so, again, he's fine. I mean, I don't know, you know, how, you know, how consistent he'll be. But it seems that for the first time, you know, in a long time, it's finally come together in terms of both for those skills. He was able to show off his arm. Like I said, he had nine, nine strikeouts over five innings. Um, he also went two for three at the plate. We don't know if he's going to do that consistently. I mean, I don't know how consistent Babe Ruth was when it came to pitching and, and hitting. I don't have his stats available in front of me right now. That's a long time ago. Uh, but for Shea, like I said, it's been a struggle for him to consist consistently do both. He's been an average hitter, I would say, but not, so, not necessarily a great or a good pitcher. Uh, so finally, it seems that it's come together. We'll see, you know, again, like I said, if he can continue this over the course of the season. It would help out a lot because, you know, the Angels are kind of in the mix for the AL West. So it kind of help them. Um, let's move on. Uh, let's, let's, uh, we got some news from the National League. Uh, they are currently looking for a new general manager. Uh, Jeff Bridge has recently stepped down as their GM. Um, he was originally hired back in 2004 uh, for senior director of baseball operations. And in 20, sorry, 2006, he would later become a senior director of player development. Uh, he would then be promoted to the GM in 2014. The Rockies would make the playoffs twice uh, in his tenure in 2016 and also 2018, but British will come under fire with his handling of the Nolan Arenado situation. Now, Nolan Arenado is an all-star. Well, he was an all-star third baseman for the uh, the Rockies. Supposed to be like a legacy type of player, like a player that they drafted and they took care of his entire career. You know, they had great success together. Maybe he won a World Series. Maybe he won a couple pennants together. That was that was the goal. Uh, but after uh, making it to the playoffs, and basically uh, they also gave resigned to a fat contract, uh, $260 million deal, the team will basically fall off, and they fell off drastically, uh, basically prompting Arenado to basically, uh, you know, talk, not necessarily, well, he called out the team. And after he called out the team, he would then, you know, ask for a trade. And the team said, fuck it, we'll trade you. Uh, so they traded him earlier this year, February the 1st, to the, uh, sorry, to the St. Louis Cardinals for Austin Gombert, a first baseman, and also some more minor leaguers. 
and also as part of the deal, the Rockies will pay 51 million of the remaining 199 million remaining on the contract. So uh, they pretty much lost the deal. Uh, as you can see, we'll talk about the standings in just a little bit. Uh, Rockies recently took a loss last night to the Giants. So, you know, it's not looking good right now. So British has stepped down. I think they have an interim at the moment, uh, but they will be looking for a, a new replacement as the season goes on. All right, y'all, let's look at some scores from yesterday. Uh, we got the Twins getting it done against the Indians 10-2. to uh, The Twins moved to 8-15 and on the year. The Indians are 11-2, and so just one game behind 500 in a crowded uh, Central Division. Well, actually, the leader is up a few games, but after that, it's crowded. Uh, for the Twins, they were helped out by center fielder Byron Buxton. He would go 5-5 five five, five five at the plate with an RBI. Catcher Mitch Garver would have two home runs. He also drive in three runs as well. Uh, designated hitter Nelson Cruz would have two hits, bringing two RBIs as well. And pitcher A.J. Happ would get the W, going for seven innings, giving up four hits, but only two earned runs and also having three strikeouts. For the Indians, Ahmed Rosario would score two runs and first baseman Josh Naylor and also third baseman Yu Chang will get RBIs. Moving on, we got the Marlins getting the best of the Bruins in this one. Uh, six and two was the final score. The Bruins, they're still number one in the Central. We'll break that down a little bit. 14 and 10 is their current record. The Marlins are 11 and 13. For the Marlins, they were led by first baseman Jesus Aguilar offensively. He will hit a home run, actually a three-run home run on top of that. Second baseman uh, Isan Diaz would have an RBI. And uh, catcher Chad Wallach would have two hits and an RBI. Pitcher Sandy Alcantara uh, would have seven seven innings, uh, five hits, only two earned runs of four Ks, getting the W for the Marlins. For the Brewers, um, basically... Um, the, the the story with them was their pitching in this one. Uh, Zach Godley would get the start. He would only go for three innings. He would give up. He would give up a three-run home run. Eric Garley, uh, he struggled as well. Only going for two innings, three hits, two RBI. Sorry, uh, three. He gave up three hits and two earned runs. Very difficult day for uh, Brewers pitchers. Marlins, they get the job done. Uh, we also got the Royals here getting the best of the Pirates, nine to six. Uh, the Royals are 15 and 8. The Pirates they are 500 at 12 and 12. Uh, Royals uh, they get help from right fielder Jorge Soler, three hits, three RBIs. Left fielder Andrew Benintendi and also third baseman Hunter Dozier will get two RBIs. And um, in terms of uh, pitching, Andrew Andrew Zimmer got the win, um, but it was a difficult start for Mike Miner. Uh, he would go for four innings. He would give up six hits and four on runs. He would have two strikeouts, but he would give up two homers as well. The bullpen stepped up for the Royals as well. Uh, they only gave up they only gave up two hits, and they also only gave up one run. So good luck on them. Uh, for the Pirates, they were led by third baseman Eric Gonzalez. He would hit a two-run two home run. Catcher Jacob Stallings would hit a home run as well. And first baseman Todd Frazier would drive in two runs as well. We also got the Dodgers blanking the Blanking the Reds eight to zero as well. Uh, moving on, we got the Red Sox getting it done against the Mets one zip. We got the Yankees uh, blanking the Orioles as well seven to zip. Uh, we have uh, a intra intra league matchup uh, between the Nets or the Nationals and the uh, Blue Jays. Eight to two is the final score in favor of the Nationals. The Nationals are nine and two. The Blue Jays are eleven and twelve. Uh, sorry. The Nationals are nine and twelve. The Blue Jays are eleven and twelve. So for the Nationals, they were led by second baseman 
Josh Harrison, three-run three, three run home run from him. Uh, DH, Josh Bell would hit a two-run home run. And also third baseman Jordan Zimmerman would hit two RBIs. Uh, pitcher Eric Freddy would get the win. He's 2-2 two and two on the year. He went for six innings in this game, two hits, two, only one on run, and he would also have seven strikeouts. Uh, for the for the Blue Jays, uh, they were led by left fielder Lourdes Goriel and also Bo Boucher. They both hit solo home runs. Pitcher Steven Matz will take the L in this one. He's currently 4-1 on the year. He would just go three and a half innings. Sorry, three, three and two innings. Uh, eight hits from him, six earned runs, and only two strikeouts. So a struggle from him. Uh, we got the A's uh, getting beat by the Rays again. Two zip was the final score yesterday for the Rays. Uh, Tyler Pitcher Tyler Glasgow strikes out 10 batters in seven innings. Rough day for the A's at the plate. Uh, for the A's, is their third loss in four games after a 13-game winning streak. Damn. Wow. Up and down, right? Uh, we got the Phillies getting the best of the Cardinals, 5-3. The Angels beat the Rangers, 4-3. Uh, the Astros get the best of the Mariners, 7-5. And the Padres beat down on the Diamondbacks, 12-3. Uh, Offense, offense, offense in this one. Uh, sixth run, fifth inning from the Padres. Manny Machado uh, will hit a triple with the bases loaded. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and also Kim Ha-Seong would also hit four, well, combine for four RBIs as well. So offense all over the place for the Diamondbacks. Um, they looking strong. They looking strong. And finally, uh, the Rockies, like I said, struggling. Uh, take a 3-7 to seven loss to the Giants here. Let's take a look at the standings. We're going to start off in the American League, of course, in the East. Uh, the Red Sox are on top. 16-9 is their current record. They're going 6-4 and four in the last 10. Now, what I don't like to do, and I, I think I, I did it this time around um, in terms of my MLB preview, was that I don't like to necessarily make predictions. But what I do like to do is I like to look at look at teams as the season progresses and look at their uh their last their record in their last 10 games over the course of weeks and kind of forecast what's going on uh so for right now we see the red sox here at 69 currently six and four in the last 10 so they're on a they're on a positive uptick now if you my my thing is if you start to see this over and over over the course of weeks it's pretty much easy to see that the red sox will be your number one team um at this point it's still relatively early um we're a little bit of you know under 30 games played. We're still under 30 games played. We're getting there, though. So, again, it's a little bit hard to forecast. But as of right now, Red Sox are looking good. Uh, they seem to be, in terms of offense, they're driving, they're driving a lot of runs this year as well. Uh, their pitching staff looks to be looks to be okay. I mean, again, they, they've been having some solid performances and some appearances this year. So, uh, Red Sox, 16-9 six right now, number one team. I think they still remain in this mix as of right now. Um but again, you don't know. We do have the Rays right behind them. Three games back, 6-4 and four in the last 10 as well. Right behind them is where we start to have the 11-win teams, the Blue Jays and the Yankees. Uh, really, uh, I was really surprised with the Yankees right now. Four and a half games back. Uh, they are 6-4 and four in the last 10. They're, things are looking a little bit positive. Uh, but two games below 500, four game, four and a half games back of the Red Sox. I really was not expecting that. And at the bottom here, we have the Orioles, 10 and 14, five games back, four and six in the last 10. As you can see, with this team, their trajectory is a little bit lower because, of course, they're four and six in the last 10. That's liable to be more indicative of this team, though. Just looking at you know the Orioles and what that roster is, um, they had a they had a a decent start, like a f decent first weekend to the season and a decent week in general to the season. But at time wore, as time wore on, 
you know, you started to see some holes there. Let's move on to the AL Central. We have the Royals here, another surprise for me. Uh, 15 and 8 is their current record. They're currently 73 away from home. Uh, they're 73 in their last 10 now. I think the 73 away from home is important because I'm not 100% sure that this team holds on to that number one spot. Um, and what happens is, of course, if you're not dominant, of course, a lot of your playoff, is, you know, your playoff experiences are going to be on the road. So it's, cl it's clear that teams be able to win on the road as well because you're not always going to be dominant. And you might make the playoffs, but again, you know, if if you don't, if you're not dominant, you're going to have to play a lot of games on the road. Can you win on the road? The Royals can win on the road, and I think that's very important, at least at this point in the year. Right behind them, you, well, not necessarily right behind them. Yeah, yeah, you could say that, I guess. Two and a half games back, we had the Chicago White Sox, 12 and 10. They've gone 6 and 4 in the last 10, so they're getting their things together. Uh, look for look for the White Sox to definitely challenge for that number one spot there in the Central. Uh, we have uh, the Indians here at 11 and 2. Uh, taking a step back this year, 11 and 12, excuse me, four games back behind them. We had the Twins and the Tigers, uh, both with eight wins. Uh, the Twins have 15 losses. The Tigers have 16. Uh, that puts the Tigers at seven and a half games back, two and eight in their last 10. If you can see, like I said, the trajectory of this team is low. Uh, but that's what we expected kind of going into the season, uh, forecasting him. Um, at least for now, I don't see any real, any real changes from the Tigers. Uh, the Twins, things might change because they do ha they do have offensive capabilities. I'm not 100% sure about that pitching staff at the moment. Um, but as of right now, I definitely see the, the White Sox battling out with the Royals. Um, I don't, And again, I am a little bit surprised with the Royals. I wasn't necessarily expecting to see that per se. Uh, but it looks as though Andrew Benatendi has been, at least as of lately, he's been showing out kind of lately, uh, helping them out in terms of offense. He had a decent game yesterday. So... Uh, look for the Royals to kind of, you know, at least I, I would say at least maintain um, a spot within the couple within the the top two. Maybe even challenge for a wild card this year. I can I can definitely see the Royals as a playoff team. Just just in a way. Uh, moving on to the uh, AL West, we have the A's here. Like I said, they had a well. We've said that we mentioned this before. They struggled at the beginning of the season. Uh, they looked so bad in that first series against the Astros, but they've been able to get things right. 15 and 10 is their current record right now. Seven and seven and three in their last ten, so their trajectory is looking good. However, they did lose three of their last four, uh, so that is somewhat of a concern. But things go up and they go down. You know, I think if the A's can, you know, get some type of consistency, though, again, we're still looking at the playoff team. The question is, with the Astros right behind them, are they going to finish first or second? Um, in this division, um, the Astros are 13 and 11, one and a half games back, six and four in their last 10. Behind them, uh, we have the Angels, two games back from the A's, 12 and 11, four and six in their last 10. We have the Mariners at 13 and 12, two games back, so they're in the mix as well. And the Rangers, uh, five games back, four and six in the last 10. They are currently uh, 10 and 15. Moving on to the National League, of course, in the East Division, we have the Phillies here uh, tied for the lead with the Braves. They are both 12-12. and 12. Uh, For the Phillies, they are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The Braves are 6-4 and four in their last 10. The Mets are behind them by half of a game, 9-10. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10, though, so they've been struggling. I don't know if they maintain um, that spot, though, of course, uh, with the Marlins. They are a game back, just a full game back. Uh, the Nationals are are just a, a game and a half back uh, from the Phillies. Uh, they've gone five and five in the last ten, so things are getting a little bit tight here in the uh, in the East. 
I'm not too sure who comes out of here a winner just yet. Um, I do see the Braves getting a playoff spot. Phillies as well. Uh, but again, it's very close. I mean, um, it's it's very close. One of these guys got to go for one. I mean, of course, you know who doesn't win the division, of course, got to qualify for that that wild card. So, um, you know, after the number two spot, I mean, it's hard. I mean, of course, we have the Braves and the Phillies tied right now. So, um, it's going to be difficult to see because these teams seem to be evenly matched. I mean, the close. I mean, even Washington, they're they're in fifth place right now, but they're only just a, half, a game and a half back. So, and they're five and five in their last team in their last ten. So they've stayed consistent. So you know, we don't know this one. Uh, this division, I don't know about just yet. I don't know about this division just yet. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about the NL Central. We have the uh, the Brewers here on top, fourteen and ten. Uh, they're nine and three away from home again. Uh, with the competitiveness of this division right now, the next team behind them is just two games back. We don't know what happens over the course of the season just yet. We're still relatively early, uh, but the fact that they can win on the road is good. Like, like I said, if they're not dominant and they got to go on the road on the playoff in the playoffs, it looks like this is a team that could do it. Six and four in the last ten. Um, by the way, Cardinals are twelve and twelve. Like I said, two games back, five and five in the last ten. The Pirates are six and four in the last ten, two games back as well at twelve and twelve. And we have the Reds here at 11 and 13, uh, three games back, two and eight. And then we have the Cubs here um, taking us a few steps back. I'm a little bit surprised about that. I'm also surprised about the Pirates kind of being tied for a second with the Cardinals right now. Uh, but the Cubs are four games back, four and six in the last 10. Finally, uh, let's take a look at the West. Um, all right, so we have the Dodgers here. No real surprise. Uh, however, they've uh, gone three and seven in the last 10. I don't know if that's necessarily concerning, uh, but that is that is the facts. They're sixteen and nine, three and seven in the last ten. Though, uh, I, I I mean I think they're definitely um, there's no real. I mean, again we do have the Giants playing their asses off though, seventy three in the last ten. That's they're like the inverse. Uh, they're sixteen and nine as well. Um, they're both tied for that spot. Like I said, the Giants have just been harder though in the last ten. So, uh, you know, the Giants uh, they surprised me. I had them. I had them. In the top three, but I definitely have them number three. Uh, so this is surprising for me. They're looking really dope. That's that's what I can say right now. I'm not a fan, of course, of the Giants, but I mean I gotta give credit where credit is uh, credit is due. Um, they have a pretty decent pitching staff, of course. We talked about uh, who they have hitting for them: Brandon Belt, Yastrzemski. Um, they also got Donovan Solano there. Um, like I said, the pitching staff is pretty good. We got Gaussman there, so um, not. I mean. I'm not surprised that they're in the top three, but I am surprised that they're tied with the Dodgers. <laughs> um, right behind them, we have the Padres, 14 and 12, two and a half games back. Uh, they still have their hitters there. They have their all stars there. It's a matter. I mean, they they're winning games. I mean, they're they're two and a half games back. They're in the mix. Um, you know, with the Dodgers, you know, taking a downturn right now in their last 10, three and seven, they're making things a lot closer. Uh, ain't no telling what can happen within the next couple of weeks. You just got to keep monitoring it. You know, we get closer to the summertime. We'll have a clear understanding They're you know, near the all-star game. Well, no, um, we have the, uh, the, so we have the Diamondbacks here, 12 and 12. They're at 500, um, three and five, uh, sorry, three and a half games back. So we'll see what happens with them. And we also have the Diamondbacks, sorry, the Rockies here. Last place, we did mention them. They've been struggling as of late. Uh, 9 of 15, they're six and a half games back. So um, there you have it. 
uh, MLB standings. I'll, I'll take a quick break. And when I come back, we'll be breaking down some uh, NBA action. Of course, some scores from last night. We got the uh, standings to go over as well as we make our countdown to the playoffs. All right, y'all. I'll be back. Oh, basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way the dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley oop. I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Because it's basketball or Mr. Curtis. Oh, y'all we're gonna finish everything up with some nba action we're gonna start off with russell westbrook he has been on a tear as of recent uh he has scored his 15th triple double in his last 18 games well actually it's 16 of 19 as of now if you count last night uh he did lead a uh he did lead the wizards uh, to a 10 game winning streak despite losing monday night to san antonio uh in that game he would also have 22 points 14 assists and 13 rebounds this month alone he's had 12 triple doubles breaking wilt chamberlain's record set in 1968 this is a third this was his third c uh third triple double sorry 30th triple double this season and the 175th of his career. He is just six away from Oscar Robinson's all-time record of 181. Westbrook is set to average a triple-double for the fourth time in five, season, five seasons. He holds the record for most in a season with 42. And the good thing about his team is if they can hold on to that 10th seed, they will qualify for a playing round. They've been hot as of recently. We'll talk about his stats from last night as well in just a little bit. But for Washington, they, they've been hot as of recently. They might catch somebody uh, slipping in that playing game. They might even catch somebody slipping in that round, the actual playoff round after that as well. So um, look out for the Wizards. Uh, much props to Russell Westbrook. Um, I know people give him a lot of uh, a lot of heat because of you know just what's happened to him over the years, but. He keeps working his ass off, and I got to give him props for that. Uh, Steph Curry is on fire as well. Uh, Warriors are currently above 500 for the first time since March of this season. Uh, they once, I think it would be eight of their last ten. Curry is uh, set is actually set a, in a sorry NBA record for most three pointers made in a month with 85, beating out James Harden James Harden record of 82. Uh, this is a quote coming from the man himself: "When you're miss when you're missing, that's when you start thinking about mechanics. You start thinking about other stuff. These thoughts creep in your head, but when you're in a flow and rhythm, there is not much going on upstairs. It's nice. There you go. So he obviously ain't worried about whether so how the song go. I ain't worried about nothing. He ain't worried about nothing. He ain't tripping. He doing his thing, and it's like clockwork. I gotta give it to the man again. I'm not a Warriors fan, but I respect and love Steph Curry. You know what it is, John Wall. Uh, unfortunately, we do have some bad news from him. He is done for the season. The Rockets have decided to shut him down for the 11 remaining games. It'll actually be about 10 or so now. Uh, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Houston is currently rocking the NBA's worst record at 15 and 46. Uh, in 42, sorry, in 40 and 72 games uh, this year, uh, Wall has averaged 20, over 20 points a game, over three rebounds, and also over a steal. He's shooting at 40% from three, sorry, 40% from the field and 31% from three. So his numbers are a little bit down. Uh, he's still trying to work his way back from so many different injuries. Again, he's injured himself again. The question is, does he show back up in Houston? We don't know. 
Um, but he's been through a lot, and unfortunately uh, for him, things just haven't, you know, gone his way, uh, particularly recently. Uh, but let's on let's move on to the scores from last night. Uh, we're gonna start off in the Eastern Conference with the Magic getting it done against the Cavaliers, 109 to 104. The Hawks uh, they take a big bad L here to the Sixers, 127 to 83. Uh, the Sixers are 41 and 21. The Hawks move to 20. 34, excuse me, 34 and 29. For the Hawks, that were led by John Connell, 21 points from him, two assists, and also four rebounds. For Solomon Hill, would have 18 points, four assists, and five rebounds. And guard Skylar Mays would have 11 points and five rebounds. For the Sixers, they were led by guard Seth Curry, not Steph, but his brother Seth, 20 points from him, three rebounds. Joel Embiid and also Tobias Harris would, uh, would actually have 17 points each uh and b would have seven rebounds to his totals tobias would have seven rebounds and also six assists uh forkman Corkmaz, and also guard shake milton would also have 12 points each shake milton would have six assists sorry yes yeah, six assists and six rebounds as well moving on we got the knicks they keep on getting better 113 94 is a, a w for them against the bulls uh 35 and 28 is their current record the bulls dropped to uh, 26 and 36 for the bulls that were led by Nikola Vucevic, 24, 26 points from him, three assists and also 18 rebounds. For Lowry, Markkinen would have 14 points and six rebounds. For the Knicks, they were led by Julius Randle. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, 34 points, three assists and seven rebounds. Guard uh, R.J. Barrett would have 22 points, six assists and seven rebounds. We'd also get 13 points from Ford Reggie Bullock and also uh, guard Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench. And uh, that's what you get for the Knicks. They, they just keep on getting wins. Uh, the Celtics, uh, they get a win against the Hornets, 120-111. to 111. The Lakers, again, um, they took an L here. The Wizards, they still are on fire. Um, they, they keep winning games, 116-107 to 107 against the Lakers. Uh, the Wizards are 28 and 34. Like I said, they're holding on to that 10th seed in the East. The Lakers are 38 and 26. They're kind of dropping in the West right now. We'll talk about it all that in just a minute. Uh, for the Lakers, they were led by Anthony Davis, 26 points for him, two assists, and also five rebounds. Andre uh, Andre Drummond was active, 17 points, two assists from him, 11 rebounds, and Ben McLemore would get 16 points and three rebounds coming off of the bench. For the Wizards, they were led by Bradley Beal, 27 points from him. 27 points from him, three assists, three rebounds. Alex Lynn and Russell Westbrook would both have 18 points. Uh, Alex Lynn would have nine rebounds to his totals, but Westbrook again get another triple double. 14 assists, 18 rebounds. Again, you can't, man, you can't knock the man too much. I'm sorry. I mean, comes with short sometimes, but. Um, he plays his heart out. You got to give it to him. Uh, the Spurs take an L here against the Heat, 111 to 116. The Blazers get it done against the Grizzlies, 130 to 109. The Blazers move to 34 and 28. The Grizzlies are 31 and 30, just one game above 500. For the Blazers, they were led by C.J. McCollum, 26 points, six assists, and also four rebounds. Norman Powell doing this thing with 24 points, four assists, and also five rebounds. Dan would have 23 points, five assists, and three rebounds. And Carmelo would have 18 points and six rebounds. For the Grizzlies, they were led by Jonas Valanciunas, 19 points from him, 6 rebounds, and Dylan Brooks would have 18 points and 10 rebounds. A little bit of an off night for John Morant, who only have about 10 points. Uh, moving on, we got the uh, the Nuggets getting a win against the Pelicans here. I believe that was their third win in a row, 114-112. to 112. Uh, The Suns, they, take a, they get a W here. Uh, against the Clippers at home, 109 to 101, and finally we got the Jazz here blowing the fuck out the Kings, 154 to 105. 
damn. Uh, the Jazz sit at the top of the Western Conference at 45 and 17. The Kings are 25 and 37. But the Jazz were led by Bojan Bogdanovic, 24 points, four assists, three rebounds. Jordan Clarkson would have, Jordan Clarkson would have 23 points off the bench. Forward George S. Niang would have 19 points, four assists, and Matt Thomas, the guard, would have 17 points coming off of the bench. Um, again, no Mike, no Mike Conley, no Donovan Mitchell for uh, the Jazz. They still blow out the Kings. The Kings ain't got nothing to offer. Uh, they were led by Buddy Hield and Rashawn Holmes. Both put up 18 points. Uh, Buddy Hield would also have seven assists and five rebounds. And forward, Justin James would have 16 points coming off of the bench. Uh, let's move on to the standings. We're going to start off in the Eastern Conference. we got the Nets here, 42-20. and 20. They're riding a three-game winning streak. They're the first team in the East to clinch a playoff berth. They're currently second in the league in scoring, 22nd, though, in points allowed. They're 25th in defensive rating as well. They also average 13.8 uh, uh, turnovers a game which is uh, 14th in the league. So they do have some issues there. However, they shoot the ball pretty well. First and field goal percentage at 49%. They're also uh, third and three-point percentage at 59%. Moving on to the Sixers, they are 41-21, and 21, just one game back. They also clinched a playoff spot as well. They are seventh in the league in scoring, about 108 points a game. They are second in defensive reigning. Sorry, they are seventh in points allowed a game, just 108 points points allowed per game. They are second in defensive rating at 107.8. They are second in the league in blocks with 6.2, and they're also second in the league in steals with 9. Moving on, we got the Bucks here. They are 38-23, and 23, three and a half games back. We have the Knicks here behind them, 35-28. and 28. They are seven games back, seven and a half games back from the leaders in the conference. They are 23-17 and 17 versus the Eastern Conference. Um, and again, I can't think of too many years where I've seen them just, you know, have a have a record over 500 against the elite, at least their own conference like that. Uh, they're on the rise as well, nine and one in the last ten. Uh, there's the emergence of uh, of emer there's the emergence of Julius Randle as well. He's currently third in the NBA in scoring with 27 points per game. He's also top ten in, the, in rebounding and also assists during the month of April. He also leads the league in minutes played. He's also currently rocking a 41.33 point percentage. Again, um, he's come a long way. He's somebody that. People might have labeled a bust at many points beforehand, but he's leading this team, uh, him and R.J. Barrett. Um, this is what you call making and developing a team as opposed to just bringing, you know, all these different all-stars together. This is organic. This was created. This was this was developed. This was just not brought together. I like it. I mean, the Bucks got it kind of going on, too, with that. The Sixers, I mean, they've had some pieces there going around. Unlike the Nets, which is, you know, who just, oh, we just have this money. Let's just throw all these pieces together. Let's just bring Steve Nash into the mix. No, this, this team was actually built from the bottom to the top, and I give the Knicks a lot of respect this year. Moving on to the fifth seed, fifth seed excuse me, we have the Hawks here at 34 and 29. Uh, we have the Celtics here, uh, 33 and 30. We have the Heat here at 33 and 30 as well. We have the Hornets here at the eighth seed at 30 and, th 30 and 32. Of course, this year is different. We have the 9 and 10 seed. They have a little playoff game or whatever. The Pacers are here at 29 and 32. We have the Wizards here at 28 and 34. Um, again, we have the Bulls here. They are two games outside a possible playing spot. You know, this is all subject to change because we have about 11 games left. But I pretty much see the, the Nets holding on to where they're at. The top three doesn't change. Actually, the Knicks may even surpass the Bucks, which will put them in a better situation. 
um, possibly. So we'll have to see. Uh, let's move on to the Western Conference, where we have the Jazz. Of course, we've mentioned them before. They are 45 and 17. They've gone 64 in their last 10. Um, they put, like I said, they put up 100, 154 points on on sack, despite not having Donovan Mitchell, who still will be out at least another week with an ankle injury. Also, Mike Conley. I'm not too sure about when he's coming back. But uh, currently, the Jazz are third in the league in scoring, 116 points a game. They're also fourth in points allowed, which is 107. Uh, they are first in three-point shooting with 38%. They are also first in rebounds with 48 uh, a game. Uh, of course, Rudy Gobert has a lot to do with that. He averages 13 a game by himself. Um, and they recently clinched the playoff berth, the first team in the Western Conference to do so. The Suns have also clinched the playoff spot as well. They're currently 44-18, and 18, just a game back from them. They've also gone 7-3 in their last 10. Behind them, we have the Clippers, who are 43-21, and 21, three games back. We have the Nuggets here. Uh, like I said, three game, three wins in a row, 41-21, sorry, 41-21, four games back. We have the Lakers here. Uh, they've been missing LeBron. Uh, they've been having some issues with consistency lately. You also got Anthony Davis, you know, talking about they need to play desperate now. Oh man, here we go. They're thirty six and thirty. They're thirty six and twenty six. Nine games back. They're one and three in their last four. Like I said, four and six in the last ten. It has been a struggle. They're missing LeBron. He'll be out at least another week. Um, and of course, we all know about Dr. Dre, not Dr. Dre, Dr. J, Julius Julius Irvin, not including him in his all time team. I mean, I ain't tripping. I included him in mind. Does that make him special? I don't know. I mean, does that make him not special? That one all-star, one great player don't like him? I don't know. Y'all trip about it. He's a old, old school guys don't like new school players like that. You know, he also put MJ on his second team. That's crazy. I don't I I would I don't know what his first team looks like. I'll be it's probably Bird. It's probably old old eighties cats or something. I don't know who's on his list. At number six we have the Mavericks here at thirty four and twenty seven. At number seven we have the Blazers here at thirty four and twenty eight, eleven games back. Uh three and seven in the last ten, but they do have two wins in a row. They're they're struggling. They've been off and on. Um I'm a little bit worried about this team defensively. Um there's been there's been talk of possibly, you know, resting Dame. I don't think that will work for this team. Um they're already you know, on the cusp. Uh, we have the Grizzlies here at 31 and 30, 13 and a half games back. They're 12th in scoring uh, currently in the league, uh, 113 points a game. They're 14th in field goal percentage, so they're middle of the road in that. They're also 18th in three-point percentage at 33%. They're also second in steals, though. So this is a defensive team somewhat. They do, they can score, um, but again, another team there where it's been a struggle for them. At the number nine spot, we have the at, we have the Spurs, excuse me, at 31 and 30. And the Warriors, they are at 500, like I said, 31 and 31, 73 in their last 10. They've been working their asses off. Uh, this is a team that you probably don't want to catch in a playing round. I don't think the Spurs do well in that game. I think they, I mean, as, as of now, I think the, the Warriors blow this team out in that, in that matchup. All right, y'all. I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Um, if you are looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email, ljbutler75 at gmail.com, E-L-J-B-U-T-L-E-R, 75 at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page for the show, uh, Never Out of Bounds. Check out the, uh, the YouTube channel as well, Never Out of Bounds, same thing. You can also follow me on Instagram as well at ljamal791, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791. Uh, please, uh, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out my videos. A pretty decent amount of content there. Uh, give me your support. Please leave comments. 
anything thumbs you know give it a thumbs up anything you like all right y'all if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you peace out one love and i'll holler at all you guys later